first message of 2020. Get your Bibles, your notepads, your pens, your iPads, your phones. Pray they charged. <laughs> Amen. Can I just say this as a sidebar real quick? Can you uh, uh, try to commit to bringing your Bible and a notepad and pen to church? Let me, let me say why I say that. Because you can't remember everything I'm about to preach. Oh, but Pastor, I'll go on the app and listen to it later. Yeah, until your kids are going, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy. Then you can't listen to it. Amen? I listen to it in the car while everybody's cutting you off. I get you. I understand. But I want you to start writing these things down because what you write down, you commit not only to your memory but to your heart. And so I want, you to, I want to challenge you this year to take in what God's giving in this house, whether it's through me or through any of our staff pastors or anybody that might visit. Come in with an expectation to grow. Take those notes home. Go over them. Let God continue to pour in you each and every day. Amen? Amen. All right. It's 2020. And before you think I'm going to say some cliche dumb statement like it's the year of new vision because it's 2020, that's not what I'm here to say. This is the first Sunday of a new year, but I need you. I've been sitting in, in my own thoughts going, how will this year be different? I don't mean things different for me, but how will I become a difference in this year? Oh, okay. Work with me for a second. Every year we finish out a year hoping that the next year will be different. Do we not? Yeah. We, we even tell God, God, this will be the year that will be different. I think I figured something out in the last few weeks. It's not about the year being different. It's about you becoming the difference. It's about you becoming a change rather than waiting for change to happen. It's about you finally stepping into that place. Instead of saying, one day I'll get to it, understanding that this is the day the Lord has made. And God's tired of waiting on us. Mm. I love when people say, Pastor, God's coming back soon. Can I just give you all a quick signal? No, he's not. Pastor, yes, he is. He's coming back soon. Here's the reason why I know he's not coming back soon. There is a great harvest that is still yet to come. And the only way the harvest is coming is when we get out of the church and start reaching people. When we become a difference rather than asking God to make everything different. God says, listen, I've already sent Jesus for you. I gave you all the plans, all the purpose, all the power, all the anointing, and I'm just waiting on you. What if I, what if I could say that we might be postponing Christ's return because we haven't stepped up. We keep, telling, we keep telling God to step up where we are. And God's going, but I'm waiting on you. Every year we step in believing that this one will be different, but I, I need you to know that it's up to you because I believe with all of my heart that this is really going to be the best year ever. Pastor, we've heard that before. I know, but... It, all the times in the past, it's been a preacher declaring it and us hoping it rather than us actually believing it and understanding that if it's going to be better, it means we've got to become better. Not that God has to do more, but it's time for us to become more. It's time for us to, let me say it, to do more. Pastor, don't say the word do on the first Sunday of 2020. Don't tell me I got to do more stuff. No, I'm not telling you got to do more stuff. I'm telling you got to do the stuff you haven't been doing. The stuff that this word says for us to do, and if we do it, if we abide by it, God's got blessings ready to pour out on us. There are things that are waiting for us, waiting for us to move, waiting for us to step out in faith, waiting, waiting, waiting for us to stop saying one day I'll do it, but that this will be the day I do it because tomorrow might not be promised. Will you become the difference this year? Will you step out of the place of comfortability and step into the place of consistency? I believe with all of my heart this is going to be the best year yet. I have an expectation, not for me, but for, for, for the kingdom of God and for the move of God. I, I believe we are on the cusp. Hmm. You ever heard anybody say we're, we're standing on the edge of something great? You know what the difference between standing on the edge and actually stepping into the great? I said it. you got to step into it. The problem is we keep waiting for somebody to push us over. Come on, God. I'll stand here. Just shove me off. Just shove me off, God. Guys, I'm not going to shove you off. you got to step out in faith. Peter had a story that none other, no other disciple had because he stepped out in faith and walked on water. When was the last time you walked on water? Are we too caught up in the circumstances and situations? Are we too caught up in culture? Are we too caught up in politics? Are we too caught up in money? Are we too caught up in fame? Are we too caught up in whether people see us or don't see us? Or are we too caught up in the things of God, knowing that God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory? What are we caught up in? Maybe the reason we haven't become the difference yet is because we keep looking at everyone else's social media and letting them be the difference in us. 
Because let's be honest, people today base their lives on other people rather than the one that created them, the one that formed them in their mother's womb, the one that counted the very hairs on their head, the one that planned their days before them, the one that set their life into motion. Before you get excited about this is going to be the best year, before you try and claim this declaration of expectation, I need, you to, I need to ask you the same question God has been asking me for the last two weeks. Will you be the one? Will you be the one? Will you be the one to carry his message? Will you be the one to not just carry it, but share it with others? Will you be the one to give it away, not in fear of losing it, but with understanding it was never just for you, and the moment you give it away, God fills you to overflowing all over again? Will you be the one that understands that when you give God away, there will never be a season of drought, but there will always be a season of plenty? Will you be the one that steps up this year? Will you be the one that commits? Will you be the one that walks in covenant? Will you be the one that leads your neighbor to Christ? Will you be the one that prays for your boss even when you want to cuss him out? Will you be the one that stop? Well, amen. Will you be the one to bless people more than to take from people? Will you be the one to smile rather than look like God hasn't moved in your life in a long time? Will you be the one to allow God to do his greatest work in you? Or will you just spend the next year talking about how God's doing it in everybody else? Because I believe that if we would choose to be the one, God could use us in a way we've never been used before. I want to know, will you be the one? Will you be the one that finally steps over your fears and lives by faith? God's been asking you to do things for a long time and you keep telling him, no, this isn't the right timing. God doesn't ask in the wrong timing. And maybe just maybe you're God's waiting for you to step out into that place. Maybe just maybe God's been waiting for you to become that voice, that declaration, that person who he can use, that vessel he can pour himself into because he knows if he puts himself into you, you'll pour him, pour him back out. Rather than take him home, put him on a shelf and go, well, God, I'll leave you here till next Sunday and I'll put you on my waist and walk him back into church. Look, I still got God on my hip. No, no, I want to empty the vessel, take it back to my room, place it on my bedside table so that when I wake up tomorrow morning, it's filled all over again. Because I want something fresh. I want something brand new. I want to see every aspect, see every place, every moment with him. But I understand in order to get there, I've got to decide what I'm going to do this year. In my, in my preparations for 2020, I'm not going to tell you what God's been telling me, but it hasn't been nice. You know, I always hope that God's going to be like, Brian, you did 2019 so great. Brian, you did a great job pastoring. Brian, you did a great job. But for some reason, leading up to 2020, God started telling me all the things I didn't do. Why? It's not because he wants to hurt me, but because he wants to grow me. It's not because he wants, no, because he has plans to prosper me, even as his soul prospers. He said that I would be changed from glory to glory to glory to glory. The problem is, is that most believers today are still living on the first level of glory, but haven't climbed anything yet. Will you be the one this year that finally sees God do everything he wants to do in your life? How many of you want God to move in your life this year? So you notice I didn't say God bless you this year, God give you this year, God take care of your money this year. God, I'm, I'm tired of hearing that junk in the church. When did God become the sugar daddy to our existence? Because we sit up on pulpits every church year, every beginning of New Year and tell you all the blessings God's going to give you. All the things God's going to give you. Here's my question. What are you going to give him? What are you going to bring to him this year? Oh, but if God would just fix this, if you just get up. Stop laying on your bed of affliction, complain to everybody about where you are, and just get up. You might find out that you got enough in you to walk. Maybe enough in you to run. Maybe, just maybe, this is not about God doing more for you. But maybe, just maybe, it's about you doing more for him. So that we can actually see change. So that we can become the change. So that we actually can become the one church 
not the segregated church. There are a few people in the Bible that actually lived this and saw great things in their own lives. So this morning, I want to look at a few of them so that you can understand just a few. And it might help you become the one. You ready? You excited? I'm excited. If I get preaching crazy, just shout at me. I'll feel even better. Amen. You can amen in this church. You can stand up and clap. I feel you. I might run around the room. You might see something crazy. It's 2020. I left 2019 behind. Y'all might see me do all kinds. I've done some crazy stuff in the years past. It might get lost in here in a minute. All right. Luke chapter 3. Turn to Luke chapter 3. If you don't know where Luke chapter 3 is, pray. Amen. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. New Testament. Luke chapter 3. If you got it, say, I got it. If you just said it and you don't have it, you lied in church. I got it. I don't even have a Bible in front of me. I got it. Okay. Luke chapter 3. You got it? Ready? Let's go. It says in Luke chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened and rough places made smooth. And then all the people will see the salvation sent from God. Can I go back for just a second and talk about verse 4 through 6? Can I go back and just share this with you for a second? It says in verse 4, it says, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. A voice shouting in the wilderness. Put that back up for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a voice shouting shouting in the wilderness. Can I, can I tell you how you become the one? Stop whining in your wilderness. Stop complaining in your wilderness. Let me help you with something. Complaining keeps you where you are. Complaining stops you from moving forward. He says in here, he says, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Can I just say this to you? We all go through struggles. We all go through circumstances. We all go through issues, but they don't have to become the defining characteristics of your existence. I got a past, a present, and a future. And sometimes my present looks rough. Sometimes my future looks rough. A lot of times my past looks rough, but none of it defines me. What defines me is how big the God I serve and what he plans to do in my life through the process. He says he is a voice Shouting, why did he say that? Because the world was lost and they hadn't received the Messiah yet. Can I tell you what God's looking for? Somebody will stop joining the conversation of complaining and start declaring a way out of the struggle. When people call you, go, Oh God, oh God, it's so bad. You just don't know. How many of y'all like it when your children cry? And I'm not talking about crying because they're hurt, I'm talking about crying because they didn't get their way. You know what I'm talking about? You got friends like that, don't you? You got grown adult friends that act like that. You just don't know. Why, God? Why? Please do not join the chorus of their complaints. Give them a way out. Hey, listen, God's bigger than your struggle. Can you please act like it? You know, it's last Sunday. I saw you in service with your hands uplifted, acting like you love the Lord. Do you believe the Lord? Do you believe that he came to deliver you and set you free? Do you believe that he's not meant, he's not there to keep you in a valley, but he said that there comes a mountaintop, but you got to walk through the valley? He said, you got to walk through the valley of shadow of death, but fear not. So, so what, 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 here's what we do, though. Here's what we do. Oh, listen, I know, I know. It's okay. You know, it's going to work out one day. Tell me how that's any kind of declaration. That's like, hey, I'm going to hang out in the wilderness with you, and we'll cut down trees together. Cry it out together, build a fire, warm our hands, and like, kumbaya, my Lord. No, that's just ridiculous. John, he's in there says, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Stop being so doggone quiet. Open up your mouth and declare freedom to the captive. Watch what he says here. He says in verse 4 through 6, he says, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. In other words, salvation is here. Mm, clear the road for him. See, I gotta. I, I would really preach it like he did it there, but I might blow your eardrums because I promise you he wasn't talking quietly because he had an expectation on the inside of him. Could you imagine what your, what your talk would sound like if expectation took over your vocal cords? Hello. He said, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road. And watch what he promises in verse 5. You ready for this? 
the valleys will be filled. In other words, your low places will become high places. Yeah. Yeah. Some of y'all, y'all got to get with me. I'm, I feel like I'm preaching better. You're amening right now. Your valleys will become high places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of y'all been in valleys this last year? You've been in valleys this year? Some of y'all ain't going to tell me that. No, Pastor, I've been on a mountaintop all year long, praising, the, praising my way through. The Lord has just been there with me. Every lie in church. He said, man, when you take your place and you become a voice in the wilderness, your valleys will become mountaintops. That means what you think is a struggle will be the promise because God's going to walk you right up to the top. You don't have to live in the valley. You just got to walk through the sucker. He said, he said, the valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills be made level. That means every struggle that seems like a climb will be easy. Woo, y'all going to catch this one in a minute because here's the difference. We start 2020, woo, and then we get down to the second month of 2000. We get to the last month of 2000. God. You don't just get to declare them on the first Sunday of the year, baby. You got to do it 52 Sundays out of the year. You got to do it 365 days out of the year. You got to not waver, not stop, not quit, but keep declaring, keep believing, keep decreeing. I'm a voice. And yeah, it might look like a wilderness, but here's what's going to happen. The, 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 the valleys will be filled. The mountains and hills be made level. The curves will be made straight. Some of y'all tired of driving on curves. Hmm. Baby, grab your mic real quick and come here. We went on vacation this last week, went to Colorado, and, and, and I, I kind of ruined my wife in the beginning of our marriage. We went on our honeymoon, and we were in Hawaii, and I took her on a mountain, oh, God. and uh, <laughs> if you ever been to Maui, the road gets about yay big. Like, literally, I opened up my door and looked straight down the side of the cliff. I thought I saw Jesus at one point. She did. I saw the Lord. I saw I was the so Lord. scared. I didn't know Jesus was, okay, amen, and, um, and so, so we went to Colorado, and uh, we were driving, and there was traffic, and it was snowing. Y'all know it's snowy conditions, mountain, 12,000 feet in the air. It's rough, and cars are sliding because everybody thinks they're a champion and can take a two-wheel drive car up snow in a mountain, and they just slide off the road. And so my wife's panicking, and then the Waze, we use this app called Waze to direct us, and, and uh, it directed us. Lo and behold, we didn't realize where it was directing us. And, um, it's a demon app. It, it was, yeah, yes. it's, it is. It is. It, it doesn't like my wife at all, and, no. and so... Uh, we start driving, and we go from a six-lane road to a four-lane road to a two-lane road. Up a mountain. Up a mountain up a in mountain. snow. In the dark. A place called Loveland's Pass. It's not lovely. No. And, um, <laughs> no. And, and, and we get up there, and I'm sitting in my brother's car with him because we had to take two cars. Ten of yeah, us. The two worry wars are in me and his, my sister-in-law. They're, they're in, in the car together, and I'm, I'm telling my brother, I'm like... <laughs> Dude, she's having a moment. <laughs> she's like, you didn't even care, did you? I'm like. They didn't care. We did. We were okay. We were fine. We knew we weren't going to die, but. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and, and so she had a moment, but I, she wanted to share this with you. Go ahead, baby. Okay. So first, the way up there, cars were sliding. Okay. So I'm praying. We are decreeing and declaring we are not going to fall off this cliff. Because my sister-in-law is freaking out. We're singing Jesus songs. Okay. <laughs> We finally get there. So at lunch, I'm like, Lord, please get us home safely. Bring the snow plows. There's these snow plows that put dirt. Please get me behind one of those. So the demon app brings us up a mountain instead. We're like, I'm literally about to cry because I can see you can fall to your death, you know, out the way. I'm like, Lord, I will give you a special offering. Just get me off this mountain. And I did today, because you can't say that and then not do it. You, you gave it. Amen. Amen. So. I told her, I said, I'll be expecting that on Sunday. I'll see you at church. Amen. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out why we even got into that story. Amen. I just felt like it was a good point to tell a story. Amen. So here's the truth of it. She was sitting there praying. And, and when we got down to the bottom of the mountain, my, my sister-in-law, she said to me, she goes, man, your wife is a prayer warrior. I said, what do you mean? She goes, man, she was praying, decreeing, declaring, doing it all. She was calling it out. She went and said, listen, here's the problem. Most of us sit quietly in the lives when it's struggle and just sit back hoping that God will come back. What happens is she started declaring what brought us down from the mountain, whether you believe it or not, is that she called down heaven into a moment that could have been disastrous for us. Because I'm going to tell you in all honesty, the roads where we drove, we should have never been on. Nobody knew this until we got to the bottom of the mountain. My brother slid off the road. And I just looked at him and said, bro, 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 bro. He's like, oh, my bad. 
That was a little bit more than a my bad moment. And then he looked at me and goes, we will not tell them that that just happened until we get to the bottom of the mountain. I said, I got you. I got you. Woo! Um, uh, uh, but like what she said, is that it was literally mountain, street, cliff. And I remember looking going, she's in an expedition. She can see that cliff better than I can. I know what she's doing. like, oh, Jesus. Here's what I'm saying to you. What we tend to do in our lives is sit in the middle of the circumstance thinking that we have to accept it. The true level of acceptance to a circumstance and a situation is you being silent. But when you become a voice in the middle of it, what does it say is going to happen? i got to read it one more time. I might not even get out of this message today. He says, the valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills be made level. My wife said, get me down from this mountain. What did God do? He brought the mountain down to the ground. Amen. Although we were still at... 12,000 square, 12,000 feet up in the air. Amen. Uh, uh, he said, the valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened. Y'all, we were taking hairpin turns in snow around a mountain. He said, he'll, he'll make the curves be straightened and rough places be made smooth. Watch what he says. He says, and then all people will see the salvation sent from God. So, so watch what, how I read this. This is how I kind of read this. That when we decide to stop being quiet and we become the voice in the wilderness, we decide to be a voice for God, right? He says, I'll do all of these things in you so that all of the people will see the salvation of God. That means that if I open up my mouth and say something and declare something better than where I'm standing, these things begin to happen, and I become a vessel of salvation for those that are around me. I become that thing where people see God in me more than they see Brian, where they go, wow, I want what he has, but I got to get what he's got. Brian, what do you have? I have got God living on the inside of me, and if you'd accept him, it'll change you forever. I want to be a voice shouting out from the wilderness, not somebody complaining because I'm stuck in the wilderness. Maybe we've been shouting the wrong things in the wilderness. No wonder we seem stuck at times. Your declaration not only changes everything in you, but it will change everyone around you. This is not the year to be quiet. This is the year to warm up your vocal cords and understand that God has put a mouthpiece on the inside of you. For the the tongue either brings life or death. But if you finally understand that you have life in your tongue, then start using it to declare freedom, to declare power, to declare the anointing, to declare the promises of God so that you can walk in it and so that others might be changed. That's number one. Ready for the second one? I'm going to need a nap after this message. Acts chapter 3. I sat in my office last night and preached this to myself. I almost took up and had an altar call and responded to it. <laughs> Acts chapter 3. Got it? See, some of y'all don't want to say it. No, no, but I ain't saying it. You called me out once already. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Here's a good one. Verse 1 through 11. I'm going to read this to you. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. And as he approached the temple, a man lame from birth was, car- was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Verse 4, Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or any gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up. And walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with him. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Okay. First of all, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock service, not just to be a bystander, but to be a part. As I was writing this and reading this, I really believe this with everything in me. God is tired of the church bystanders. You'll catch this in a second. God is tired 
of the church onlookers. And he is looking for people to become a part. Didn't say you had to be the part, but a part. He says that they went to the temple one afternoon at 3 o'clock prayer service, 10 a.m. Sunday morning service, once a month, 7 p.m. revival night service, life groups throughout the week to become a part, not just a Sunday attender, not a bench warmer, not a seat sitter, not a voice soak upper, not, not, a, not a complainer because we don't listen, but finally being changed. They want to go to the house of the Lord. They understand the scripture says, forsake not the gathering of the brethren in one accord. Why? Because there's power in numbers. When he two are gathered agreeing upon one thing, it shall be done. There, there is expectation on the inside of them. And as they approach the temple, they see a lame man. And this is a problem I have with this part of the scripture because I never understood why they kept putting the lame man outside of the church. Why did they keep dropping him at the door? Why didn't they just take him in? I figured it out. Because the people inside the church had no expectations of their God. They were playing church but did not know God. They were really good at singing the songs and lifting hands because pastor said do it. But they were not good at living a relationship, a walk, a daily existence with God. So the people stuck the blind beggar outside of the church. Because the Bible says that when Peter and John, when they came and prayed for him and he stood up, where does the first place he went? He didn't run out of the, out of the, out of from the gate into the city. It says he went into the synagogue. Which means to tell me that he had always wanted to be. But the people who were carrying him didn't even believe what was inside the church. Can I just say this to you as a sidebar? That is the present day culture we live in right now. Where are the beggars right now? Where are they? Which street? Which overpass? Which under bridge? Where are they at? They're not in the house. Why? Because we're not giving them solutions to a greater eternity. We're giving them money to fend off their demons. We're doing that and saying, look, God, we did what you asked us to do. Baby, can I tell you something? Your money does nothing. Prayer does everything. Could you imagine a culture, a church, that we get out on a one day and we're driving down the road and I pull up to an intersection and you've beat me to the homeless guy that's standing up with a sign that says, we'll work for food. But you're standing up there withholding their sign and laying hands on them and praying for them because you understand that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And you've come to bring change and what you have on the inside of you is greater than what's in your pocketbook. So I got, I got money, but money won't solve your problem. This will solve your eternity. Because then they might come to the house. For some reason, culture has said money will fix it. Can I just say this to you? They say it in the church, too. Let me go back for a second. This man who shot the two people at the church in Texas on Sunday, they said in this, in this, in this interview, they said that this man had had a problem with the church asking for money, which tells me that the man had lack, which tells me that the man had struggle. He was hurt by the fact that he could not give. Huh? Watch. And the enemy found a toehold in his existence to devalue his ability to be a believer. And he thought his greatest or his greatness in the kingdom was how much money he brought into the local church. And so when the pastor kept saying give, and I don't think that pastor, I've watched the interviews. I don't think that pastor did anything wrong. I think that's how the enemy fought him. And so now there's this struggle in this man where now he loses himself and the enemy takes control. Right? Because come on, let's work with this for a second. The enemy took control in that situation. And two men died. The problem is, is that we have this space today where we don't come to church based on how good God is. We come to church based on what God can bring us out of that we got ourselves into last week. Hmm. And I'm not saying this is for everybody, but it's this kind of a common thread in the church. I said it last week. Altars are not filled with new believers. They're filled with old believers. They're filled with the ones that keep getting saved over and over. Not staying consistent in the things of God, but you have to keep coming back because they've walked away. Let's be honest. We spend most of our time in the local church saving the saved rather than the sinner. And the reason that we're saving the saved is because the saved aren't going and getting the sinners. Because we're too busy trying to fix our own sinful existence rather than giving our sin up and holding on to the Savior. We're too busy dabbling back in the old ways rather than grabbing a hold of the new things. 
This man is sick every day of his life, and his friends don't even trust God enough to bring him into the synagogue. Let me tell you why they don't. Because there's not one in that synagogue that believes that God could heal him. So they left him outside hoping that somebody else might find him. That something else might change. And here they come. And he says, silver and gold have I not. Silver and gold have I not. Silver and gold have I not. Stop buying your way into heaven. And understand that there's a power that dwells on the inside of you that God's waiting for you to tap into. I love praying for people. I, I love it. I, I, I didn't. <laughs> we were at the restaurant in Colorado up in the mountain. And the lady, our waitress, uh, she was really, really awesome. She was really good to our kids. I love good waiters and waitresses, man. It's like, that's awesome stuff. And so she was very loving and friendly to our kids. My wife and the kids had gone off to use the restroom. And so I, she, I said, listen, when you, when, you, when you ring up our bill, uh, come back when you drop off those drinks. I got something for you. So I blessed her. She's looked at me wide and I said, and, and while I'm here, can I pray for you too? And I just prayed real quick. And my wife knows I do this. I, I, I like doing this. And the truth be told is, is that... I understand who lives in me. And every moment that I have, I have been placed on this earth to set captives free. Can I help you with something? You'll stop being in captivity when you start unlocking other people's shackles. Because most of the time, our shackles is because we choose not to believe. That God is the shackle breaker. I believe that when we pray, shackles are broken. Strongholds are broken. Struggles are broken. But if I hold that in, then does that mean that I don't believe? That I have the ability in me because he's anointed me. He's placed his spirit in me to set the captives free. Does that, so no wonder I get caught up. I get stuck in my own self, and I don't want to be stuck in my own self. So he says, he goes in there, and he, he does this, and he prays for him. Listen, I want to be the one that desires to go to the house of God. I want to be the one who desires to worship with other believers. No more excuses of why I can't, how tired I am, how exhausted I am. I'm going to try to really be careful here. I used to suffer from insomnia. You can ask my wife, I wouldn't go to bed till 5 o'clock in the morning, get back up at 7 or 8, and start all over again. I'd go four, three or four hours a day with sleep. That was it. Could not sleep. My brain wouldn't stop turning. God, why am I struggling in this area? Why am I struggling in this area? Why can't I sleep at night? He says, because you trust me with your day, but you haven't trusted me with your night yet. Huh. Because what do we do? We typically pray for our days, don't we? We wake up, we're going to pray for the day, we're going to pray God's with us. When you crawl back into bed, do you understand that that is another extension of your day? The Bible says that when God created the heavens and earth, he created day and night. They're two different existences. He says, what's, what's amazing to me, Brian, is that you'll trust me with your day. You'll trust me with the being and the movement of your life. You'll trust me with the movement of your family. But when you crawl into bed at night, you don't ask me to come govern your night. And let me help you with something. You want to find out where your greatest level of faith ever exists? Close your eyes and go to sleep. Because it is in your sleep that faith has to be bigger than you are. Because you have no control of what happens when you close your eyes. So I started learning. I said, you know what? So I started reading my Bible. And this was crazy. I've said this before. But have you ever opened up your Bible at night and fallen asleep? And you feel like you failed God because you fell asleep while you are reading your Bible? Come on, working with me saying, oh, God, I failed you. I'm so sorry. I fell asleep. I was reading your word. God, I'm such a sinner. You know what that was? That's called sweet rest. The Bible talks about it. He says he'll give you perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. You know how I killed insomnia? I started seeking him before I went to bed. I'd open up my Bible and all of a sudden, gone. Because I was trusting him. I was resting in him. I was depending on him. I don't want to be somebody who just depends on him on Sundays to wake me up out of bed. But I want to get up every morning with purpose, with desire that God this day is going to be better than the last one. Not because you're going to do more, but because I'm going to become more in you. I'm ready to roll with you, God. If no one else gets up, if everybody gets up with a grumpy face because they haven't had coffee yet. Or gets up with a grumpy face because they got to go back to school. That's their problem i'm not gonna live in that and maybe just maybe i might become a catalyst of change and expectation pastor why are you always in such a good mood because i got god so deep in me 
I want to be the one that God uses for his glory. How many want that? Amen. I want to be used. I don't want to just be a bystander finish in this life. Ooh, look, I was married and had four kids. That was great. I want to walk out of this life going, man, I had so much fun, did so much crazy stuff. Man, I got stories. Man, I'm going to get to heaven and tell angels what we did while we were here. God, listen, man, this is good. Can I, can I spend 20 minutes and tell the angels how big you really are because they don't even know yet? They've been circling around the throne room seeing you, but I've got to walk with you and talk with you and see you do things that no one else could do but you. I got to go to a mountain range and see 12,000 feet up in the air, something that God just went, right. and went, wow, that's cool. I know in Louisiana that's hard sometimes. Everything's just like this. Or this. <laughs> I want to be the one that prays for the sick and has enough prayer, have enough faith when I pray that they recover. Could you imagine a church full of people that actually believed that when they prayed for people, healing had to manifest, not hope that it manifested? Can I just say this to you? So many times we go, man, who wants to impact? Oh, Pastor, I want to see that. I want to see it. I want to see that. Then you have to be the one to do it. Hello. God, God, I want to see signs, miracles, and wonders. Then say yes instead of no. Or not today, God. Come on, seriously, not today. God, I'm just here to get my groceries. I just want to get some milk. I just want to go home. Brian, I need you. I brought you here to get milk. I know your wife calls you get milk, but I want you to go get the milk because there was a lady inside that store that I needed you to see so you could pray for him. I didn't bring you here to get the milk. I brought you here so that you could set that one free. You're going to ignore him? You're going to let him go home by themselves? You're going to forget the doggone milk. Go pray. I use the milk to move you. Oh. Oh. I'm, I'm put out, and I just don't understand why God just keeps making me do more and more stuff. Maybe it's not him making you do more and more stuff. He's trying to activate the spirit of God on the inside of you. Do you understand you were made to be more? You were created to be more? Look, I've been in this thing for my entire life. Now, I haven't done it all right my entire life, but I've been in this thing in my entire life, and I've seen a lot of great things happen. But can I be honest with you? Every great moment that I ever had with God was because I stepped out, not because he did. Oh, I can tell you stories, well, that's for another day. But I can tell you the things I've seen, you'd be like, that's for real? Oh, yeah, that's for real. But I had to step out and trust God more than I just wanted to see him show up. I want to be the one that is more than just a Sunday attender, but picks up the layman and brings him into the house. Can I give you one more so we can go home? Amen. Acts chapter 16, stay right in that scripture, in the same book. Last one. It says around midnight, Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison door wide open. He assumed the prisoner had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all still here. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your house. Verse 32, and they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in the household. Even at the hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. How quickly? Immediately were baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because that night they all believed in God. I want to be the one. To see the prison doors shake and the chains fall. I am so tired of watching believers struggle because they are bound and locked up. If it doesn't bother you that people are struggling, then you need to find the heart of God so that you can have a heart like his because it bothers him. 
Can I be honest with you? We live in a culture that celebrates demise. We celebrate people's failures hoping that we might get the victory. We celebrate when others come in second place so that we might come in first. But the Bible says that the first shall be and the last shall be. It's amazing to me how we've been created to push ourselves but didn't realize that in the whole process we've actually been locking up ourselves. You ever seen a free believer? (laughs) They don't care. They don't care what others think anymore. They don't care what others do anymore. They are bound to the promises of God more than they're bound to the position of people. You might not have everything you want right now, but trust God. He'll take care of it. You might not have the job you want, but trust God. He'll bring favor to your life. You might not have the marriage you want right now, but trust God. He'll heal it or deliver you or set you free. He'll, he'll bring his peace into the middle of it. See, I, that's what I'm talking about is that it, there's got to come this point where we, we just really believe what we say we believe. We, we, nothing else will do. I just want you. Do you really? Or is that just good for the Sunday morning service while we're all singing together? Do you wake up tomorrow and go, God, I just, I just want more of you. So help me to see you in a greater space than I've been looking at? Or are we just content with existing till we finish? See, you read your Bible and you see all these signs and miracles and wonders that manifested. You see all these healings that took place. You got the, the man outside the gate who gets healed because they, Peter just says, silver and gold have I not, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and behold. And he gets up and runs into the, into the synagogue. You got, this, you got this Paul and Silas moment where Paul and Silas just begin to worship God and the, 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 the jail falls apart and the, the, the guy is in there and he's going to kill himself because he thinks he's about to, he's about to be off because, because he's let the prisoners free. But really what the whole reason the jail shook was not for Paul and Silas to be free, but so that the jailer might become free. Yeah, maybe just maybe your worship is not for you. Maybe just maybe your worship is for your neighbor. Yep. Yeah. Maybe just maybe what you're doing is not to set you free, but to set others around you free because when others around you become free, you actually live in freedom. Oh, see, see how, but pastor, it's all for me. That would be saying like Jesus died on the cross for himself. But he died so that we might live. What are you willing to give up this year so that others might live? What are you willing to do so that others might be free? What are you willing, see, this is that thing. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. God says, no, give me, give me, give me. Give me you. Give me your life. Give me your marriage. Give me your finances. Give me everything in your existence. Give me your home. Give me your cars. Give me everything I've given to you. Then watch what I do with it. Because the problem is that we don't really trust God as much as we say we do. We trust God when we can see him moving. But when we cannot see him moving, oh, he's not here. I think those are the moments that God moves the best. Because if you could see him, you would limit limit him with your own eyes. You would tell him to stop because where he was going was too far. See, God moves where you cannot see. Because if you could see what he was doing, you might tell him to slow down or stop. Then all of a sudden, you walk into a blessing or a miracle, and you're like, God, this is awesome. But he was there all the time. Could you imagine what your worship would have looked like if you had been worshiping him all the way through the process rather than having to buck and shout at the end of the process? I don't want my best praise to be at the end of the process. I want my best praise to be in the middle of the process. Because when I get to the end of it, I knew he was going to do it the whole time. There was, no, there was no disappointment. There was no wavering in my thoughts. There was no wavering in my faith. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible also says, here's a kicker for you, he changes not. The only one that changes is us. God doesn't quit. God doesn't fail. God doesn't give up. God did not put you in your position. You did. God did not put me in jail. I did. God didn't make me homeless. I did. Now I'm grateful because the grace and mercy of God found me in the middle of those moments. 
found me and touched my heart, found me and spoke to me, found me and picked me up, found me and dusted me off. But let me tell you something. God doesn't shove you into bad moments. You make bad decisions. Stop blaming God for the places you're in and complaining about the jail cells. Get in that jail cell. Lift up your hands. God, I don't know why I'm in this moment. Maybe I don't see it, but God, I trust you. And so I'm going to worship you because here's the thing. Worship and true surrender doesn't change God. It changes you. And when you stand in that moment and you lift up your hands and your voice and you say, God, I worship you. God, I magnify you. God, I decree you. I declare you. I believe that you're more than enough. God, I repent of my stupidity. I repent of my dumb decisions. And God, I ask that you change me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. When you begin to declare him more than the jail cell, God says, I'll shake that sucker and walk you right out of it. And as I'm walking you out of it, I'll give you the ability to win those that are lost around you. Will you be the one? I want to see the prison door shake and the chains fall. I want to be the one in the right place at the right time. To see God move in a person's life and family. I don't want to miss the moments anymore. You ever had those moments where God told you to do something, you didn't do it? And you never saw him again, but that one time? Can I just sidebar you for a second? What if that was God sending an angel just to work on you? Because he was trying to perfect you to become his vessel, not your own. I'm wondering, and I don't think God would do this to me, but I'm wondering. How many people I've walked by? Let's just, let's just kind of play around for a second. There's a section in heaven. It's like it's got a line drawn around it, a little area. All the people Brian led to the Lord. And outside of that area is another area. It says all the people Brian walked past. I'm not saying God would do that to you. So I want to understand what I'm saying to you. we've become so motivated to the pearly gates and the streets of gold to get to heaven for our own sake that we've forgotten that it's not about you entering, it's about who you bring with you. A party is not a party by yourself. And in my prayer time, what I've been asking God is, God, give me a greater desire, a greater ability, a greater passion, a greater push to not ignore those who need you, but to go after them even when it's uncomfortable. To go after them even when it's uncomfortable. I said it a couple weeks ago, I'll say it again. I got two siblings that I'm believing, praying. Not because I'm mad or because I'm hurt with them, I'm believing that the same God that dwells in me will begin to dwell in them and that they will come to a greater understanding of how big God is. I'm praying. I'm praying for my stepdad. Who doesn't care about me. Not so that I might have relationship, but so that his heart might be whole. I'm praying for my real dad, who I don't even have relationship with. Who left before I was born, came back for a moment, and then left again. I'm praying that condemnation doesn't live in his heart so that he might be at peace and understand that he might not have been able to be a great father, but if he just let me go into the hands of the father... He stewarded it right. I'm praying for everyone that's ever talked about me, turned their back on me, walked out on me. I don't want to miss those moments. Because I was not created to have my own pity party 
but create a space that others might become free. It's 2020. Stop filling your box and go fill others. It's 2020. Stop trying to do it your way and just do it his way. It's 2020. We're in a brand new season. Don't do it what you did it last year. Do something bigger. This morning I was, and this is where I'm done right here. This morning we were walking out. And, and my son, every morning when we, when we come out from the back, he always wants to stay with me and come out with me. And I'm like, God, why don't you just go into church? I don't want to come with you. Why do you want to come with me? Then it hit me this morning as I was walking out. He's not walking out with me. He's walking out with the one I'm following. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Those people you're trying to get you to get to follow you, make sure that you're following Christ because they never will until they see something bigger than you. My son's not just coming out with daddy because he can come out with daddy. I think God's doing something in him. And it's okay. He might not even see it yet. But one day he will. What are you following? What are you pursuing? I don't want to just be a Christian. I am a C. I am a C-H. I don't want all that. It's the stupidest song anyway. You got to spell it out. You probably don't know what you are. And the truth be told, I'm not a Christian. I'm a believer. It takes greater faith to be a believer than it does to be a Christian. What are you going to be this year? You get to set the precedence right now. What are you going to be bound to this year? What shackles are you going to break right now this morning? What are you going to leave in the house of God and not go home the same way? Ooh. Oh, but pastor, I'm just not. Uh-uh. Divorce that sucker. Evict it. It's time to roll. 2020 is going to be nuts. It's all up to you. Will you be the one? Everybody stand to your feet. ask everyone to stay in the room for just a second. I understand you might have to go use the restroom, but don't miss the best part of the whole service. Because I'm not going to bring you to the altar. The altar's coming to you. You stand in this place this morning. You say, Pastor, I want 2020 to be that year, but I understand I have to be the one. So I'll say yes. Be the one. If that's you in this place, you just do me a hand a favor and just raise that hand. I'll be the one. No, no, no. Don't half mass me. Don't put it up. Like, I don't want him to see me. Stick that sucker up there. It's the problem in the church. We've been half massing God the whole time, acting like he won't to see me. I'll be the one. I'll be the one. I'll step up. Now, and I'm just going to say this to you without, without trying to hurt feelings. Some of you aren't raising your hands. Stop complaining about where you are. If Jesus were to walk in this room right now and said, who will be the one? Would your hand go up? Do you have to have a Jesus visual encounter for you to become the one? Or are you just not certain you want to give up your life yet? So how many more times does God have to get your attention before you finally just give up? Say, God, I'm tired of the struggles. I'm tired of the junk. I'm tired of the, okay, God, you got me. I'm giving up. 
walking out of a jail cell at 22 years old, walking into a courtroom, said, God, whatever it is you want from me, you get it. I don't, I don't want it anymore. Whatever you want from me, I'll do it. In jail, locked up with shackles around my ankles. The chains were louder than my walking down the hall. Yet my declaration in the middle of that moment set me free. How many more jail moments do you need? How many more struggles and mountains do you have to cross and climb over? Will you finally just give up and say, God, this, I'm not going to tell you at the beginning of the year that this will be that year. I'm going to finally step up and live my life for you. I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to become a part of the church. I'm going to be the body of Christ. Stop playing games and walk this thing. Do you know how much God wants to do in you right now? God wants to move in you right now? Come on, if you'll be that one. You're going to have to go against the grain. It's going to be uncomfortable. People aren't always going to like you for your decision. But this is your moment between being just mediocre, stepping into the fullness that God has for you. Your best days are ahead of you. Your worst days are behind you. Father, for every hand that's lifted right now, I pray you strengthen them, encourage them, give them boldness. The Bible says that the righteous are bold as lions. Take away the spirit of conformity to the rest of the world and let us conform to the things of you. Let us lay aside every weight that hinders us, especially the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us press on. Let's leave our past behind and grab a hold of the promise of the future ahead of us. Let us become a voice in the wilderness. Not one stuck in the wilderness. Let us bring healing and deliverance to those that are in pain and sick. So that the house of God might be filled. Let us not get comfortable in our own chairs, but give up our seats so that others might receive. Bind the spirit of church hoarding. <laughs> this is not our house, God. It's yours. Do what only you can do. Father, I declare that this church is not just full of a bunch of ones, but together we will become one. Serve the one. Father, I pray that this year you do things in us we never thought possible. break every stronghold mend every broken place with your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a minute I got to speak to this for just a moment I bind hmm. fear and anxiety there are those of you in this room that have carried things in 2019 that God is begging you to put down when I say put it down, what I mean is, is it cannot become a part of your vocabulary any longer. Stop declaring things that you are not that are alternative from what God's promised you. Don't walk into 2020 saying I'm sick. Walk into 2020 saying I'm whole. But pastor, I'm not whole. Yeah. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Pastor, I'm tired. I'm worn out. No, you're not. You have life and life more abundantly. Pastor, I'm lonely and I'm afraid. No, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I can't forgive. Christ forgave you. Live in his forgiveness and watch what he does in your heart. But, but, but Pastor, my family is not whole. My, my, we're not one anymore. Nah, be one with God and God will restore all things. For he is the restorer of the breach. With God, all things are possible. How do we become the one? Trust him more than we trust ourselves. Lean on him more than we lean on ourselves.
when it's all said and done, we don't get the glory he does. For we are nothing more than vessels of his glory. Father, I declare in this place, 2020, will be one of the greatest years we'll ever see. I declare a harvest of souls like none other. I declare the lost shall be saved. In fact, if you stand in this room and you say, Pastor, I'm a sinner who needs Jesus. Watch just as quickly as this. When I count to three, I want you to lift your hand straight up. Watch how fast this happens. One, two, three. I need Jesus in my heart right now. Yep, 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 yep. All across this room. I need to give him my whole life right now. Good, 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 good. Watch this. I don't even need to pray. He sees your hand right where you are, and he's moving in your midst. You're not condemned to your past. You're not condemned to your struggles. You're not condemned to the things that you decided to do. Right now, God is moving in your life all around you. The love of the Father is manifesting. All I need you to say is this with me. Today, God, I repent. I give up. I give you my life. I'm not doing it on my own any longer. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. I need you right now. Come live in my heart. Wash away the old. I'm ready to live in the new. I'm leaving the old things behind, and I'm walking forward, never looking back. Today, God, it's me and you. It's me and you. It's me and you forever. I'm making covenant. I'm promising. I'm stepping in. I'm stepping out. This is my year. More of you, less of me. In Jesus' name. Watch. Where'd the weight go? It's like that moment Jesus looked at the harlot. He said, where have your accusers gone? Where are they? They're there. They're talking, but their talk doesn't affect you. Because today, when you raised your hand, Jesus went down to the ground and drew a line in the sand. He said, nah, not anymore. This one's mine. You can't talk about them no more. They belong to me. You now belong to the Father. Leave this place knowing that 2020 is going to be the greatest year because you and God are going forward together. Now, Father, take us from this.